What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to What's True for Everybody. This is Experience 16, and it is called How to Remain a Jesus Follower During March Madness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the day this gets posted is the beginning of March Madness, which is the end of the year college basketball big deal tournament, in case you haven't heard of it. So I thought this would be appropriate to talk about. And the other reason I thought this would be appropriate to talk about is this. For the last four or five years, Corey and I have done March Madness brackets. We've been in the same pool with the same group of friends. And if you're not into March Madness, if you don't go nuts for this tournament like other people, if you you don't give a rip about it, uh, keep listening because there's something here for you as well. Now... Back to this group that Corey and I have been in the pool with. Two of these friends that we've been in the pool with are a married couple. And they're awesome to have in the pool because they could care less about sports. And what you have to know about these two, this husband and wife, is that they're hilarious. uh, Which is a fantastic couple to have. But the, the best part is they're a different kind of hilarious. So the wife is like outrageously expressive and clever, say whatever she feels hilarious. I mean, she could entertain you and make you laugh for hours at a time. The husband is more straight-faced, subtle, hilarious, and he's brilliant. So he'll say some really awesome, brilliant thing, and you're like, "Uh, that's funny, but am I supposed to laugh because he's not laughing? Uh, But the answer is yes, you are always supposed to laugh because he's a genius. Anyway, this couple has been doing this tournament with us every year, and the husband hasn't found love for this tournament yet, but I think we're softening his heart slowly, but the wife is all in. She was all in day one, even though she didn't really ever follow anything sports-related before, to my knowledge, Uh And she actually won last year. (laughs) She won our pool last year and maybe even the year before. I don't remember that. Uh, But I remember her first year in the pool with us. This person who never talked about sports in her life started to use terms in the month of March like West region (laughs) and cutting down the nets. (laughs) And we're all like, it's like a double take. Like, whoa, that's awesome. Uh, Yes, we converted her to being a March Madness fan. But also, what did you do with our friend? Who are you? Uh, Again, I think the husband is slowly crossing the line of uh, March Madness faith. We'll get him. We'll get him. So a couple weeks ago, I sent out the group text to this group of folks to see who was in the tournament for this year. Uh, The wife, of course, was immediately in. And the husband sarcastically asked to be removed from our text thread and started talking about how MMA is much better than college basketball. And so then this husband and wife start trash talking each other over like through this text group, which was enjoyable for the rest of us to observe and witness. Uh, of course, they were kidding because remember, they're both hilarious. So then I asked the group to send me whatever email it is they want to use so I can send out the invite for this pool. And so this wife sends me a text message with her email she'd like to use. And she she says in the text, she said, I added his, meaning her husband, I added his email just in case he doesn't send it. But he's going to play 
or I will kill him. (laughs) Don't worry, our marriage is fine. (laughs) But if a future podcast is something about how to remain a Jesus follower during March Madness, that could be helpful. (laughs) Again, she's kidding about their marriage issues in relation to the month of March in college basketball. But I immediately knew I had to do it because that's funny and this was going to be fun. So here we go. How to remain a Jesus follower <laughs> during March Madness, whether you are a March Madness fan or not. Number Here are five ways, five ways to remain a Jesus follower during March Madness. Number one, understand that planks are bigger than specks. <laughs> what? What does that have to do with basketball? Understand that planks are bigger than specks. Here's what it has to do with basketball. There's a spot in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 7 to be exact, where Jesus starts talking about judging others, and he says this, Do not judge, or you, till, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So basketball, March Madness, when you look at your brother or sister's bracket and you see their speck, you see that they picked Northeastern to beat Kansas in the first round on Thursday. That's like a 14 seed against a three seed, something like that. And you think, you idiot. (laughs) Why would you pick that? Uh, Here's a question for you. How in the world can you look at and judge the speck in their eye when you have a plank in your own eye? You may I remind you, picked Old Dominion to make it to the final four because you're convinced Old Dominion Dominion has some advantageous matchups in their region leading up to the final four. You hypocrite. First, deal with the plank in your own eye, the Old Dominion plank in your own eye. No offense to anyone who loves Old Dominion. Deal with that plank in your own eye. Then you can actually see to look at the speck of sawdust in their eye, that is Northeastern beating Kansas. Planks are bigger than specks. Wait a minute. I just thought of something. Not judging others applies to life outside of March Madness too. (laughs) Did you know that? When's the last time you judged someone? When's the last time you went looking for the speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye because you just wanted to find something wrong with them. When recently have you had the thought or actually told someone you're doing it wrong? And it wasn't because they were actually doing something wrong that you thought this or said this. It was because they were doing it differently. See, what Jesus is talking about here is us focusing on our own issues, our own shortcomings, Uh, the ways we aren't at our best, our own brackets that we filled out. And this is actually something I've been thinking about in my own life over the last few months. Let's get the tree trunks out of our own eyes before we try and wipe off the dirt particle from someone else's eyebrow. Uh, 
The scriptures tell us that if, a bl- if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And we don't want that. I want to, I'm realizing I want to be the kind of person who, instead of judging others for their decisions, when someone judges me, I can be so aware of how I've fallen short in my life that I can say, oh, that's what you think? It's, it's, much, worse, it's much worse than that. You're giving me too much credit here with that judgment, <laughs> with that criticism. Uh, is that the only critique you got? You, you got to find more than that. One of my prayers now is, uh, Lord, have mercy on me a sinner. And once I take care of that, then I can start trying to help others. So first way to remain a Jesus follower during March Madness, understand that planks are bigger than specks. Second, number two, leave the competition on the court. Here's what I mean. One of the central themes in the, in, of the good news of Jesus is that those who think of themselves as most important will actually end up the least important in the kingdom. And those who view themselves as least important and spend their lives pushing others above, up above themselves are actually the most important. Uh, now, there is healthy competition in life, and we're all for that. That makes us all push to be better. That's good. But then there is the unhealthy win at any cost, do whatever you can to be the most noticed, buy into the disease of comparison so you can make yourself feel better kind of competition. So during this March Madness tournament, when you're cheering on your team and when you need that 12 seed to upset that five seed, because that would be just huge for you and your bracket, when you want Gonzaga, or when you want Gonzaga to lose early because you have Michigan going to the final four, enjoy the competition. That's good. That's fun. But know when the competition ends. When I was in grade school, I was in a basketball league. And after one of my games at one of the local schools, two dads, both who had kids on opposing teams, decided they were going to fight outside of the gym by the lockers (laughs) after the game. And there was actually an adult fight by the lockers uh, not the bike racks, that might have been cooler, but by the lockers at after <laughs> a grade school basketball game. Uh, dads, know when the competition ends. <laughs> it's over. It's over. These are like uh, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> nine-year-olds. Uh, there was another time when I was growing up where I saw a dad who was a coach of one of the teams and a referee, someone who was refereeing that game, challenge each other to a fight outside. And <laughs> the, the coach didn't like the way the ref was refereeing. The referee didn't like the way the coach was talking to him. And the ref had like two more games to ref after this game. And they both planned on meeting outside after the ref was done with this game. I don't think they ever did, but I actually witnessed a conversation where they were planning this. Um, know when the competition ends. What in the world? So if you and your spouse aren't talking as you lie in bed at night because the team from one of your home states beat the team from the other's home state in double overtime, (laughs) we have an issue. If you refuse to look at your son or daughter in the eye at breakfast because the night before things didn't go well for your team and they did for their team, (laughs) there's a problem. If you lose a friendship over March Madness, (laughs) you didn't know when the competition ended. No when the competition ends. Oh, wait a minute. I just thought of something. 
Staying away from unhealthy competition and knowing when the competition stops applies to life outside of March Madness, too. (laughs) Uh, Here's a question. Have you ever created competition where competition was not healthy? Either you were on a team and you wanted the starting position, so you began to sabotage the other person who was going for that position. Or you and someone else were going for the same promotion at work, so you began to spread degrading rumors about that other person, so your chances increased and their chances decreased. Or a family member, a cousin, an uncle, a nephew, whatever it was, uh, they were living their dream and, and, and you were far from living your dream. And every day you came home disappointed. And so you began to resent them and treat them poorly because of the circumstances of their life against your life. Know where to compete and where not to compete. Know that comparing will absolutely kill you. It's a disease. Don't let, we're told in the scriptures, don't let the sun go down on your rivalry against someone else. Talk to them about how you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. Which, by the way, that scripture isn't a legalistic, if, if it gets dark outside and you're still mad at someone, then you're in trouble. No, it just means as quick as you can, let's revol- resolve these issues because they fester and it just gets worse. Uh, no, this is important. Know which scoreboards need to get taken off the wall of your mind. Know what you need to stop keeping track of. Keeping track of how much money they seem to have compared to you or how big their TV is compared to yours or how many vacations they've taken in the last year compared to you or how many days off they have compared to how many days off you have, whether they're married or or you're married or not married, kids or not, whatever it is, know which scoreboards need to get taken off the wall because it's disastrous. It's not helpful. So second, second way to remain a Jesus follower during March Madness, leave the competition on the court. Third, speak well to and of your opponents. There's this passage in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 where this author Paul is writing about some ways to properly live as someone who follows Jesus. And at one point, Paul writes, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Oh, yeah, here we go. Trash talking. (laughs) And let's face it, there's fun trash talking. There's the the two people are are enjoying themselves. There's just some lighthearted things going back and forth. But then there's the other stuff that just crosses some sort of line. And you can tell because the person on the receiving end begins to think, um, okay, what you just said, what that person just said, I think there's some seriousness in these words coming at me. I think we're getting a little deeper here. Remember, we talked about last time, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when there's 32 seconds left in the game and your team is down by two points and the guy on the other team makes both free throws to put them up by four points, what's coming out of your mouth toward that guy who just made those free throws? Or when the person next to you on the couch or on the other end of your text conversation picked the other team to win and this person is cheering because this guy made two free throws. What are you saying to that person? And here's, here's a really simple insight. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the verbal I hate yous or the F yous or the middle fingers or the name calling, 
they don't change the outcome of the game. <laughs> I've done research on this. I'm pretty sure of it. They don't change the outcome of the, of the game. They have zero magic powers. They have zero positive energy or positive things about them. Just because this person doesn't want the same team to win as you do doesn't mean they deserve the most creative insult you can concoct in your mind and throw at them, even if you think it's funny for a moment. But wait a minute. (laughs) I just thought of something. I bet you did too. Speaking well of others applies to life outside of March Madness too. Question. Who do you tend to verbally put down? Whether it's to their face because we feel the need to show our superiority over them and so we demean them in some way or another, or it's behind their backs because that's much easier to do than look someone in the eyes and make them feel bad. Who haven't you been speaking well of? And there may actually be good reason why you think these particular things of this particular person, and there may be good reason uh, to believe that you're actually right in your opinion of this person. I mean, they may have done some things to show you you're not wrong, but what is coming out of your mouth? Is it helpful for anyone if you let those words fly? One of my favorite quotes is, speak only when you can improve upon the silence. What you're about to say, will it improve upon the silence or would silence just be more beautiful in that moment? Words are like arrows. You can't get them back. So, so be careful which ones you shoot off towards others. So third, third way to remain a Jesus follower during March Madness, speak well to and of your opponents. Here's number four. Here we go. Whether, losing, whether winning or losing, remember that you are a decent human being. <laughs> this is important. Whether, you are, whether winning or losing, Remember that you are a decent human being. And there's two parts to this. A, even when you're losing, cheer others on. Even when you're losing, cheer others on. There's another book in the New Testament called Hebrews. And the author says this in chapter 10, as he's talking about persevering in our faith. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and and good deeds. And the word that this author uses for spur one another on, it's an interesting word because it can have both a negative and a positive connotation. It can mean uh, to irritate someone or to refer to a sharp disagreement that can lead to a divide in the relationship. Uh, This is actually the word in its negative way that it's used in Acts chapter 15, to refer to the sharp disagreement we're told that Paul and Barnabas Barnabas have that leads them to part company. So this word can have a a, a negative connotation to it, uh, but it can also mean, as it's being used here in, in Hebrews that we just read, it can also mean to stir up or to provoke someone in a positive way. It can mean to stir up or to to provoke someone in love. When used positively, it essentially means to encourage and cheer someone on in whatever way is necessary in that moment. 
So here we go. When it's the championship game, we're down to two teams in March Madness, and you and someone else are tied in your tournament pool, and both of you have picked the same champion, so you know the winner of your pool, the winner between you two, will come down to the tiebreaker in your pool of who is closest to guessing the total combined points of these two teams that you had to fill out after you were done picking all the teams to win in your bracket. And the person you're going up against picked, let's say, 136 points total because they're reasonable and that's a reasonable guess. And you picked 67 points because you read the directions wrong and thought you were supposed to pick the total points for the winning team only. So now there's like only there's still 14, 15 minutes left in the game in the second half when the two teams have already scored enough points for you to officially lose. Can you be happy for the person who just beat you? Oh, that's a good question. Second part to this. So first part, even when you're losing, cheer others on. Second part, even when you're winning, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Romans chapter 12, do not be proud, do not be conceited. Luke chapter 14, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Ephesians chapter 4, be completely humble and gentle. So when you're wearing your gigantic, we are number one foam finger and you start slapping others with it when your team is winning and you're excited or when you yell in your face, sucker, to those around you when your team hits a three pointer or when you type on your tournament message board online how you dominated the brackets and every last one of the people you went up against, your friends, your family members in that tournament are losers and they stink to high heaven. That's not being very humble and gentle. Even when you're winning, humble yourself. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just thought of something. Cheering others on and humbling ourselves apply to life outside of March Madness too. Are you able to cheer someone on when things seem to be going better for them than they're going for you? Do you have the ability to encourage someone who seems to have it all and you're actually a little jealous of them? In other words, is your support of others or this particular person based on their situation versus your situation? Or is it based on something deeper like love and shared humanity? Who haven't you been cheering on? Because to be honest, to cheer them on, it would be really hard for you. Who haven't you been cheering on that you can start cheering on in these next couple weeks? And then the B portion of this, where do you need to humble yourself? I recently heard, <laughs> this is great. I recently heard that Kate Winslet keeps an Academy Award in her bathroom at her home, the bathroom that her guests use when they're over. So when her guests are over and they're in the bathroom, they can pick up the Academy, Academy Award and give an acceptance speech in the mirror. <laughs> How awesome is that? Uh, what a fantastic idea by Kate Winslet. I would, I would totally give an acceptance speech if I ever went to her house and used the restroom. But here's the question. Have you been giving acceptance speeches where you don't need to be giving acceptance speeches? Do you need to give less acceptance speeches? Do you need to stop bragging about your wins or accomplishments? Are you driving people crazy with how much you talk about you? <laughs> 
do you need to start finding your worth in something bigger and better, like, like who you are as a creation of God? So fourth, fourth way to remain a Jesus follower during March Madness, whether winning or losing, remember that you're a decent human being. Cheer others on and humble yourself. Number five, and this has to be said, try to be a little productive as you watch the games at work. (laughs) This one's kind of my favorite. Try to be a little productive as you watch the games at work. I read a study, a study this week that said an estimated 75 million people will watch tournament games at work. 75 million. I may or may not be one of these. 62% of business profession, of male business professionals, according to this study, will watch uh, tournament games at work. The majority of them, the article says, trying to hide <laughs> the games from their boss. <laughs> And this is, by the way, a 133% increase from people watching at work since 2015. 133% increase. See, it's only a matter of time before this husband, my friend, is going to start watching games. Not not only at home, but but at work. We're going to get him. Uh, 12% of people plan to take a long lunch break to watch games. Um, My friend Nelson and I, would take long lunches in high school and go to his grandparents' house to watch games. Uh, and it was fantastic. And I've definitely watched at work. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever hidden it from my boss, though. I've had some pretty cool bosses who, who didn't care. Uh, 24% of office folks plan to spend one to two hours a day watching the tournament. And that number increases to 27% among management and to 39% among middle management. There's gonna be a lot of people watching these games. All of this leads to these researchers predicting that businesses will lose $1.3 billion during the tournament because of lost productivity. (laughs) 1.3 billion. So if you're planning on watching on your phone or on your computer at work. Uh, First of all, I don't blame you and I can't judge you because planks are bigger than specs. Uh, Second of all, try to be a little productive (laughs) at work these next couple of weeks, Thursday and Friday, particularly. Um, Maybe even try to be mostly productive. This is what we're there to do, right? Work. Uh, Oh, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I just thought of something. Being productive with our duties applies to life outside of March Madness too. It's a spot in the Ten Commandments where God says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Uh, So God proposes a one-day weekend here. I'm all for the the two-day weekend. Nevertheless, either way, the, the point of this passage is resting, not working. That needs to be pointed out. But so does this. Resting and working and resting and working are a rhythm and you can't separate one from the other. We were made to work. We were made to rest. So use your gifts to work, to create, to sweat, to think, to to do a good job at work, uh, to do a good job at household chores, whatever it is, but then make sure you rest. And maybe you can even watch a little basketball while both resting and working these next couple of weeks. But 
be a bit productive and be honest with your boss about it. (laughs) Yeah, try to be a little productive as you watch the games at work. So here's how you remain a Jesus follower during March Madness. You understand that planks are bigger than specks. You leave the competition on the court. You speak well to and of your opponents. Whether winning or losing, you remember that you are a decent human being and you try to be a little productive as you watch the games at work or at home. Continue to feed your kids and do all that (laughs) good stuff. Uh, Well, I'll be watching the games. I hope you will too if you're interested. Thanks for listening. This has been What's True for Everybody, episode 16, How to Remain a Jesus Follower During March Madness. We'll talk to you soon.